Hey y'all, this is Trent and this is No Walls Worship and this is 2019. You know, it's funny, I most years I, I have this thought and I'm sure you're familiar with this thought. There, this, maybe it's a feeling where the calendar starts to roll towards Thanksgiving or Christmas and you start to feel, oh my goodness, it's already here. It's coming so fast. And then the calendar turns over and it's the new year and you go, oh my gosh, that was so fast. And it just went by and here it is. I can't believe. And most years I have that feeling. And, and this year I haven't really had that feeling much at all. Uh, not, not at all. And and it's strange. The thought I've had has been, well, yeah, it's December. It should be Christmas. And there's two weeks and two weeks will go by and then it'll be Christmas day. And then yes, the calendar turned over. It's a new year. It's two zero one nine. And that's what's supposed to happen. And yeah, maybe it is going faster, but, um, it doesn't feel fast or, oh my gosh, this year. Speaking of um, 2019, um, I have been doing some thinking on goals and some thinking on New Year's resolutions. And here's what occurs to me is that most of the time I'm guilty of this. Maybe you're guilty of this too. When I think about goals, I'm thinking what did not go well or what has not gone well? What's broken? What's missing? What's poor performing that could get better? And, And that's how you you set down your list. And I don't know if I spend enough time looking back at what is really good, what began last year or before that you want to continue. And, um, I've been trying to think more about that this year. And one thing I want to continue, I know I want to continue is no walls. It's a, it's a good part of my life. I, I enjoy being a part of it. I enjoy the rhythm of the first and the third and the relationship with the distillery and the relationship with the people that decide to come and all that stuff is good. So will there be some new things? Yeah, maybe. Will there be some changes? Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. But what I know right now is it's good and I want it to continue. And speaking of continue and speaking of 2019, it's January and the first Sunday of the month is tomorrow. Uh, that's January 6th. And we're going to be over at Crystal Creek Distillery at 11 a.m. And this will be in the past when you hear this. And then the next one that won't be in the past is January the 20th, uh, which is the third Sunday of the month. So that's what's going on. The next big event will be the crawfish boil, which will happen again somewhere soon. Uh, so, um, that's it. Let's get into the message. The title this time is you are not doing it wrong. You're not doing it wrong. All right, let's go. If you're a regular listener or a regular attender at no walls, this little first part's going to sound familiar. And, um, if you're new, it'll be new and that'll be good. Um, but but I'm I'm sure if you've come around some you've noticed some patterns in the types of things I talk about and maybe some patterns in the messages in general. And the first the, the first one is thematically uh, I'm generally trying to communicate these three main things that I believe. Uh, 
And one is that God isn't scary. God isn't scary. God is for you. God is in you. And the idea that the God of the universe might be scared of things that you think uh, by your questions, your doubts, your perspectives, or perhaps your political opinion in the year of 2019, well, to me, that's laughable. So God isn't scary and God is not scared by you. And uh, the second one, second thing I'm generally trying to communicate is the Bible's great. You'll see me read from it uh, every time. You'll see that the messages are rooted in it. Um, I think the Bible is great. I think the Bible also is weird. Um, it is a ancient text. It is uh, confusing. It's conflicting at times, and it needs study, and it needs context to understand what it's really saying. But here's what I found in my experience is that every time I find something in the world that feels true, and I'm talking like capital T truths about what it means to be human, I, I find that those same threads, those same truths, I find them in stories in this ancient text. And then three, uh, the third thing is that presence is 90% of the battle. Now, not under the Christmas tree or sixth day of Hanukkah presence, I'm talking about being present, that 90%, if not more, of the effort and leading a good Christian life or a life in pursuit of the divine is being awake to the moment, that it's right here already. God is right here, right now, available. And so those are the three themes, and I generally try to get into those themes by telling you stories. I talk about sports a lot because I really like sports. I talk about coffee shops a lot because I'm in coffee shops a lot. And I talk about my kids a lot because, well, <laughs> I've got three children that teach me and challenge me and break my heart in the good way uh, every single day. And it occurs to me that, that that's what you signed up for, right? When you pressed play, or when you walk into no walls, um, uh, I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a liturgical calendar that I follow. Um, I, I'm not inviting you to let me be your shepherd to lead you on a journey. I'm simply inviting you to be on a journey with me for us to be on a journey together. Because what I can give you is is really all I can give you is what I have. My experiences, my knowledge, my life. And um, I love doing that. What Scott Calhoun can give you when he's playing music, what John Kent can give you when he's playing music, what, what Abra can give, what you can give when you come, is what they and what you have. That's it. So, <laughs> my kids, my son... Uh, Rowan, he's four just a week or so ago, a uh, day after Christmas. And y'all, I'm learning that my kid's kind of funny. He's a goofy kid. Some of you may have seen a cute picture on social media that my wife posted of him in the dark. He's um, by four birthday candle light blowing out his candles and super cute. But what, what you didn't see was the moment right before that we had the lights out and we were trying to sing happy birthday. And he was like, no, no, stop it. I don't like that. I, 
he was really bothered for some reason by the happy birthday song. And anyway, I don't get it. But the, the point of this was my son. I'm trying to tell you a story about my son. Um, he really likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. My son does. And he has one at school, uh, his little daycare almost every day for lunch. And while he's been off for the holiday break, he'll have one, sometimes two peanut butter and jellies for breakfast or, or, or a day, uh, for breakfast and lunch, for lunch and dinner, for breakfast and dinner. It's just, he's eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And lately, I think this is my fault. I think I started this. He'll only eat the peanut butter and jelly sandwich if we cut it into shapes. We have this pan in the drawer with cookie cutters and he'll get it into the drawer and he'll carefully consider which heart, which star, which teddy bear, or which Texas longhorn he wants to cut his sandwich into. So this has been going on for a few weeks and I run across this article online. The title reads, uh, the title of this article reads, Why You Shouldn't Cut the Crusts Off of Your Kid's Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwich. Crap. <laughs> Y'all, so I'm already feeling guilty, like a little about how we baby this boy. He's our third. He's the only boy. He's got two sisters that are much older and love on him a lot. And... um. So this, this article, the title was clickbait for me. And and man, the guy who wrote this article had really thought it out. He first had this argument about food waste. The article was loaded with stats about food waste. In the United States, how many pounds of perfectly good food are thrown out by consumers? How much excess crop goes unused because grocers won't put a perfectly delicious but ugly carrot on the H-E-B store shelf. And then he goes on to connect it to global warming and the disposable consumer capitalist culture that we live in, that this United States is on its way to hell in a flimsy plastic handbasket. That was argument number one. Argument number two was that the, was this, uh, was this beautifully constructed analogy of him comparing the components of a peanut butter jelly sandwich to life itself. In short, he said, in life there are delicious things that we want, like the peanut butter and jelly inside. And to get them, sometimes it's easy, like the soft interior of a slice of bread. And sometimes it's harder like the yucky crust your toddler cries about. So, moral, don't cut the crust off of your child's peanut butter and jelly sandwich because it will help you avoid turning them into entitled slackers and it will help you make them into better, more resilient, adult-sized humans. I love this article. A one- Pulitzer Prize-worthy political and social discourse. Two, funny. I wanted to share it with people right away. It's kind of absurd. And then three, three, I recognized immediately in reading this familiar little internal pang of worry. 
that kind of worry that has the risk of sliding into shame. And this particular style of worry comes with the question, what if I'm doing it wrong? What if I'm breaking my children? What, what if the cutting of the crust will be the thing, the tough love that will tip the scales in one direction or the other? And when I recognize that pang of worry here in this goofy article on fatherly.com, I think, I started recognizing it in other places too. And I think it's especially heightened this time of year as you're making New Year's resolutions and you're setting goals for 2019. Your diet, what if you're doing it wrong? Your exercise, what if you're doing it wrong? Your finances, what if you are doing it wrong? Coffee is good for you. It's bad for you. Alcohol leads to heart disease. A glass of wine in the evening helps you live longer. What if we are doing it wrong? And once I recognized this feeling, I started to see it everywhere. And once I started to see it everywhere, it occurred to me how silly it all is. Now you have to know... I'm not poo-pooing self-improvement or science or taking care of yourself, but what I am poo-pooing is this useless feeling of worry that you are doing it wrong. And especially want to tackle that feeling if, and I think sometimes we do this, sometimes we bring it to our faith. Sometimes I think we bring that kind of worry and how we approach God. What if I'm doing it wrong? Y'all, there's this passage in Luke. It's uh, Luke 12. And in it, um, I'm going to oversimplify, is, is a stretch of Jesus just like laying down teaching. I mean, it's packed with lessons and stories and a parable. And at first he's talking to this large crowd and and then later he turns to his inner circle and he's teaching them directly. And the writer of Luke is putting all of this down in pretty quick sequence without a lot of exposition. So the, the first time I read it, uh, first couple times I read it, read, read it through, it all kind of felt jammed together without a pattern. But, but there is this through line in all of this teaching. It's Jesus talking to people about worry and fear. And y'all, it starts pretty heavy. It's it's uh, he's talking to the large crowd, and he's talking to them about whether they should be afraid for their lives uh, if they demonstrate their faith in God. And that may sound weird, but you have to remember the people Jesus was often speaking to in this time were living under oppression, and and they could be brought to trial if they were out of alignment with the Roman rulership or even the Jewish leadership, and even and even in this heaviness. Right? Jesus instructs them to have their fear um, and their faith in the right place. Um, and then the conversation turns into an argument. Someone from the crowd shouts out and wants Jesus to help him with a dispute about land ownership. And y'all again, Jesus is redirecting the conversation. Uh, and, and, and he's directing it away from trivial things, worry over trivial things, the things of the earth. Um, 
And Jesus's inner circle is is listening to all this. And then at one at, at a certain point in the passage, he turns to them and he says this. And this is the few verses I'm going to read. And I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to focus on verse 32. 12, 32 is where the focus is going to be. But I'm I'm going to read a little bit of the lead up to it, and mostly just because I think it's beautiful language um, that helps us understand what's going on. Uh, so Luke 12, I think I'm going to read 22 through 32. Verse 22. Then Jesus said to the disciples, and, and so I tell you, not to worry about the food that you need to stay alive or about the clothes you need for your body. Life is much more important than food and the body much more important than clothes. Look at the crows. They don't plant seeds or gather a harvest. They don't have storage rooms for barns or uh, they don't have storage rooms or barns. God feeds them and you are so much more and you are worthy so much more than birds. Can any of you live a bit longer by worrying about it? If you can't manage even a small, such a small thing, why worry about the other things? Look how the wild flowers grow. They don't work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even King Solomon with all his wealth had clothes as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass, grass that is here today and gone tomorrow. Won't he be all the more sure to clothe you? So don't be upset, always concerned about what you will eat and what you will drink. Your father knows that you need these things. Instead, be concerned with the kingdom and he will provide you all of these things. And here's verse 32. This is the one I want us to really hear. 32. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Hear that again. Stitch it on a pillow. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. I said the through line of this chapter seems to be different kinds of fear and worry and then Jesus' instruction to don't. <laughs> and, this, and this last don't worry seems to hold equal footing with fear of death. The worry of how we approach God. The, the worry of being able to be enough, good enough, religious enough, spiritual enough. Don't worry about death. Don't worry about trivial surface matters of this life. And don't worry about God. Jesus says, don't worry. God is pleased to give you the kingdom. Hear those words. God, your father, you are sons and daughters of the king. You are royalty. Your father is pleased to give you, not trade you, not sell you, not pleased to give you the kingdom. You aren't doing it wrong. You aren't doing it wrong. You aren't doing it wrong. Maybe make that a mantra for 2019. Rest in that freedom that you aren't doing it wrong. 
Now, am I saying that we shouldn't come to worship? We shouldn't try to better ourselves? We shouldn't have discipleship? You shouldn't take up spiritual practices that we shouldn't be striving to grow ourselves and do better and better adult-sized human beings. No, 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 no. I didn't say any of those things. Those are all good, fine, right things. But what I am saying is let's not for a minute worry that we might not do it right because God, your Father, is pleased to give you the kingdom. Now let me try to get at this one other way and then I'm going to close. I had this moment with uh, one of the old staff members here or over at the uh, Crystal Creek and it was one Sunday we were on and I promise I'm not picking on this person. It's um, It just touched me and it felt like it fit here. It was one Sunday we were, we were on for no walls and we were there early setting up and he got there a little late and was hurriedly trying to clean up the patio and apologizing to me, kind of with his head down and he, he was trying to get rid of all the ashtrays. Now, I, I appreciated the gesture of him wanting to be a good host. I appreciated the effort, but, but what I didn't appreciate, not, not the kind of like I didn't appreciate, I was upset, just I wasn't appreciating this, was that it felt like he was embarrassed. I, I could be wrong, but that's the vibe I was feeling, that he, he wanted to hide the ashtrays because he thought, I don't know, maybe somewhere in there he was just thinking good church people wouldn't like to have ashtrays around. Now, would some of the folks that come not like to have ashtrays around? Maybe, yeah. Do I smoke? No. Does smoking cause, cause cancer? Yeah, scientists seem, seem to think so. Do I want my kids to smoke? No. Do people that smoke wish they could stop? Yeah, most I would. Most I've known say would say yes. But do I think for a second that we would somehow not be able to engage with the God of the universe in that space with ashtrays on the table? No. Do I think any one of you listening or anyone that came would think badly of these people because there's an ashtray. I hope not. There was something in this action with the ashtrays that made me sad because it was if it, it was as if he was saying, this space isn't good enough. And what I wanted to say, but I didn't really have the words to say then, were, you aren't doing it wrong. God is pleased to give you the kingdom. Maybe I'm making too much of this and maybe I'm preaching to the choir, but what I did say to him as heartfelt and real as I could be was <laughs> no worries. I'll close on this. Something else I've, I've learned from my kids is that I can only give them what I have. And on a real literal level, I can't give them dimples unless there is dimple DNA code inside me. I can't give them a love for baseball unless I have a love for baseball. I can't give my son thoughtfulness and resilience by cutting the crusts or not cutting the crust off his bread. I can only give those things to him if I have those things to give. And in the like, that thinking about my kids helps me think about what I can give to God. 
first, I have to remember that I don't approach God. God always approaches me. We are only awake to the idea or the knowledge that God was already there. And what will bake your noodle later (laughs) is that even my effort to approach God is given to me by God. And so what I can give to God is only what I have. If I can write down a word or if I can sing a song, I can give that. If I feel in communion with the Spirit when I'm practicing chiropractic, healing bodies and easing pain, I can give that. If I have an old building on a lot in Spicewood with a distillery in it, I can give that to the community, even if it has ashtrays on the table. And if you believe for a minute that what you're bringing here now or as you walk through life is is not just as much of an act of worship as me getting up to talk or Scott getting up to sing, then we need to have a talk. (laughs) Because you aren't doing it wrong. You aren't doing it wrong. God is pleased. Your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. This was fun. Thanks.